Judges chapter 4, we are going through the book of Judges and looking at, at the judges that we find there. And uh, Last week we talked about this one in chapter 3, verse 31, Shamgar. And uh, remember, Shamgar, his name means lion or uh, could be a cupbearer. But uh, Shamgar, the Bible says in verse 31 of chapter 3, he also saved Israel. So we move from that into chapter 4 where we have a judge that is unusual. She is the only female judge found in the book of Judges. And her name is Deborah. She is a mighty judge and uh, really a warrior at this time. Now I'm going to talk about her being a woman of courage. And I'm going to try to get through this today without getting in trouble. Uh, I feel like I'm between Pharaoh and the Red Sea, between a rock and a hard place. I remember when I uh, went to my first pastorate, my first church, it was full of good, godly women. I had four ladies in particular that always sat on the front row because, as one of them said, she was deep. And uh, she meant deaf, but uh, she would sit down there. And all of them, um, I mean Mrs. Devers and Mrs. Boydston, I can still see them all. And they all had hearing aids. And uh, they had a very old, soft-spoken pastor before me. And then I came. And I got up there, I said, Glory to God, hallelujah! And all those hearing aids went, Because <laughs> they were used to cranking those hearing aids up so they could hear the pastor. Strange thing is, the longer I was there, the more they turned me down or turned me off. It's a good thing about having a hearing aid. You have selected hearing, don't you? But I remember one time I preached a sermon entitled, What Every Man Wants in a Woman. Now I was single, and I hadn't met Pam yet, and so... Um, I got up there, man, I was preaching about this godly, submissive, obedient woman that every man is looking for. They all caught me later. They had me cornered. And they said, young preacher boy, you got a lot to learn. <laughs> well, maybe I do. Maybe I still do. I don't know. But we're going to talk about Deborah today. Someone said that we need a good dose of courage. Maybe that is a prescription that we need filled in these days. We need a good dose of courage. Someone defined courage as fear that has said its prayers. I like that definition. Eddie Rickenbacker said, Courage is doing what you are afraid to do. There can be no courage 
unless you are scared. I, I like that too. When you are scared and afraid, you have an open door that God can give you courage. Now the book of Judges is a gritty, dirty book. It is a chaotic book. And if you would look in your Bible to Judges chapter 2 and verse number 10. Judges chapter 2 and verse number 10. Here is the reason why. That verse says, All that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which He had done for Israel. Now I want you to think about a phrase in there. A generation arose that did not know the Lord. How frightening that is. One preacher said, we are always just one generation away from a pagan society. Ronald Reagan, uh, the great president that we had, said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. I would say that you could pluck freedom from that and put the word faith in there, and it is also true. Faith is not passed down in the bloodstream. You must fight for it, defend it, in order to pass it on. Alright, well let's look at Deborah today. And I'm, I'm just going to read part of the passage here. If you look in chapter 4, and I'm going to read part of verses 1 through 5. Then the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan. Now I want to stop there and tell you this. God sold them into the hand of a pagan king. God did that. And we're going to find out why. Look at verse number 3. The sons of Israel cried to the Lord, for He had 900 iron chariots, and He oppressed the sons of Israel severely for 20 years. So here is 20 years that He oppressed Israel. Look at verse number 4. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the sons of Israel came up to her for judgment. Now as we stop there, let me just tell you a couple things about this woman Deborah. One is that she was there at a time 
when God brought judgment on Israel. Secondly, we're going to find here in verse number 5 that people were coming up to her for judgment. You don't find this about all the judges. Many of the judges were simply mighty men of war. But this lady had uncanny judgment. She had wisdom beyond her ability. Now I want to tell you, any good man knows where to get some wisdom. Ken, I'm looking at you, alright? You need to look to your right there, alright? Wilma. She has a lot of wisdom. She's probably gotten you out of trouble many times. Oh Lord, I know. I know. I know. Now, let, let me just uh, say that I thank God for women of faith. Susanna Wesley, Lottie Moon, Corey Ten Boom, Johnny Erickson, Tata, on and on I could go. There have been godly women who have made a difference in the kingdom. Ladies, I am for you, alright? I said not too long ago that there is a drought when it comes to flaming evangelists in our country. And there is. The days of Billy Graham, Billy Sunday, Dwight Moody, Charles Finney, Charles Spurgeon, on and on I could go. Those days seem to be in a time of drought. This is my opinion. But let me tell you what God's doing. God is raising up some godly, flaming, evangelistic women who are making a difference. Beth Moore, not that one, another one. <laughs> Kay Arthur, Priscilla Shirer, Anne Graham Lotz. On and on I could go. God is raising up some women who are making a difference. And He's doing that in our church too. Our first women's ministry is dynamic, on fire. They are moving forward. And how great it is to see that. What about these days? Well, I'm reminded of Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. It says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Not too long ago, I went to a conference at a Presbyterian church. I always feel a little different when I go to those meetings at Presbyterian churches. I, you know, I, I'm always there wanting to speak out, you know, and say amen. I heard someone speak. I said, glory. Somebody turned around and looked at me. I said, amen. They turned around and looked. I, uh, I kind of tried to blend in, but I, I got on shouting ground and couldn't help it. They were talking about the Stephen ministry. That is a wonderful ministry in so many churches where so many godly women go and make a difference. John Ingram was instrumental in our homebound ministry. 
and organized so many wonderful ladies who went and visited other women. There's a great need, there's a great calling, and there ought to be an affirmation from the church in that area. Amen? Thank you. Alright. I need one of those amen bells up here. I heard an African American preacher preach one time. He had a bell up there on the pulpit. He'd ring that bell. Everybody'd say amen. I need one of them bells up here. Alright, here we go. Bible up. I want to show you three dynamic things about Deborah. Number one, there was a spiritual meltdown. Now you notice this in verse number one. Chapter 4, verse 1. Then the sons of Israel, here is the key word, again did evil in the sight of the Lord after Ahud died. That word, again. God raised up judges, especially Deborah, because there was a spiritual meltdown. Have you ever seen a child have a meltdown? It ain't pretty. I was in the grocery store one day and some little darling thought she ought to have a candy bar. Mom said no. And so she had a meltdown. I'm standing there and the lady turned around to me and here's what she said. Well, I just can't do anything with her. And I wanted to say, can I take a shot at it? <laughs> Don't you think God in heaven at times shakes His head and says, oh, I'm at the end of my limit. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, God is not willing for any to perish, but He is long-suffering. Amen. He is long-suffering to you and I. Well, there is a corruption here in verse number 1. Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, notice there in verse number 1, it says, in the sight of the Lord. God is all-present, all-knowing, all-seeing, and so God has perfect vision. What you do, whether it be right or wrong, it doesn't matter what the preacher sees. It doesn't matter what your wife... Well, maybe it does matter what your wife sees. But anyway, what does matter is what God sees in the sight of the Lord. Now, look back to chapter 3. If you look back in Judges 3... And verse number 30. After Ehud had subdued Moab, how many years of peace did they have? Eighty years. And so here they are. They're in a mess again. We have a short memory when it comes to the judgment of God. We have a short memory when it comes to what God has done. Now, I want you to look in chapter 5. Look in Judges chapter 5. Verse number 8. Chapter 5, verse 8. New gods were chosen 
Then war was in the gates. Not a shield or a spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. And we find there that Israel chose new gods. Matthew Henry in his commentary said, the land had rest for 80 years, which should have confirmed them in their religion, but it made them secure and indulge their lust. Thus the prosperity of fools destroys them. Now think about that quote. That it made them secure because they had peace. And because of their security, and because they had this time of peace, they began chasing other gods. You know why you and I have trials? We have trials dark on every hand because when we don't go through trials, we forget about God. When we don't, don't go through times of adversity, when there's peace, when there's welfare, we fail to turn our eyes towards heaven. Now, look back in chapter 4. Look at verse number 2. In verse 2, you find the chastisement of God. And the Bible says, And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan. They paid a terrible price for their rebellion. And there is still a high price to be paid today. I want you to find this verse. Uh, look at Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. I'll give you just a moment to find it there. Proverbs chapter 28, verse number 13. Here's what it says. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. I want you to notice there in verse 13, it says if you hide your sin, you're not going to prosper. But the Bible says... Two things must happen. You've got to confess. And what's the next part? Forsake. Sometimes we are good confessors, but we fail in the area of repentance. Forsaking. Well, also in chapter 5, verse 8, that we read a while ago, the Bible said that Israel had no weapons do you notice that in chapter 5, Judges 5, verse 8? It says, Not a shield or a spear was seen. I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, years ago in Tehran, we had uh, our embassy overrun. And that embassy was taken by a radical Islamic group there in Iran. President Carter really 
didn't know what to do. So finally, President Carter came up with a plan. He was going to send helicopters in for a rescue. Do you remember what happened? They all crashed. And I thought about this. I thought, you can have a host that's the best equipped, best trained military in the world. But if God's not in it, and if God's not blessing, they might as well throw those best weapons away because they're not going to work. We all need to be reminded that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by His Spirit, saith the Lord. These finally cried out to the Lord. Verse number 3. Judges chapter 4, verse 3. The sons of Israel cried to the Lord. Listen, the enemy had 900 iron chariots. But they cried to the Lord. There was a spiritual meltdown that took place. Well, I've got to move on, alright? Let's look at this second point. And here is the special ministry of Deborah. Chapter 4, verses 4 through 24, that long passage, you find this wonderful ministry of Deborah. Her position. Verses 4 and 5, she was both a prophet and a judge. You find that in verse 4. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. So, she had a twofold ministry. She was a prophet and a judge. By her being a prophet, she was saying, this is right, this is wrong. And then she had the ability to bring judgment. Now, this is really interesting. The name Deborah is a Hebrew name. And the name Deborah means bee. As a bumblebee. Matthew Henry comments on that. He said, Her very name suggests the work of the bee. Industrious, sharp, perception, great usefulness, sweetness to her friends, and sharpness to her enemies. Just like a bee, sweet as honey. But there's a sting there. I'm glad for a woman that, that's sweet. But I'm also glad for those that got just a little bit of sting to them. Come on, guys! I hear some grumbling among the ranks, alright? Like I said, pray for me, alright? Her prophecy is in verse 6 and 7. Now, in verse number 6, here's what Deborah said. Now she sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinon. Now, she summoned him and then she tells him this, I want you to go and march towards Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men from the sons of Naphtali. 
and from the sons of Zebulun. So Deborah gets Barak and says, I want you to march. March against these 900 iron chariots with 10,000 men. I want you to go and march. Well, here's what he says. He says to her that he's not going to do it. Because basically he's scared. In verses 8 and 9, look at verse number 8. Then Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. So in verse number 8, Barak said, Deborah, if you go with me, I'll go into battle. But if you don't go with me, I'm too scared to go. Now, look at verse number 9. She said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the honor shall not be yours on the journey that you are about to take. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. So here's how it all played out. Deborah said, Barak, you cannot lead this army, but you're not going to have the victory. Barak, you don't have to go into battle, but somebody else is going to get the glory for this. And so we find that Deborah led the army, led them into battle. Barak did not get the glory. And then we find that Deborah had a plan and she had a victory. If you look over to verse number 15, look at verse 15. Judges chapter 4, verse 15. The Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. Man, what about that chariot? It's good for nothing. Then if you look down in verse number 21, but Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg and seized a hammer in her hand and went secretly to him and drove the peg into his temple and it went through into the ground for he was sound asleep and exhausted so he died. Boy, that's a picture, isn't it? They find this guy who ran away scared. They found the enemy asleep. So they get a a peg, they get a big nail, and they drove it through the temple all the way through to the other side, all the way to the ground. What a way to die. Well, she had a plan, and she had the victory. Thank God for this woman of faith and courage that kind of pushed the army along and pushed Barak along. Now you've heard this saying before. Behind every good man is a good woman. 
I think that's true. Amen. All right. I think that's true. I want to say one more time. Thank God for women in our church who teach, who serve, and who, and who keep us mission-minded. Alright? Let's move on. Third and last thing today. There is a sweet music of victory. A time of praise. Look in chapter 5. In chapter 5, it's the song of Deborah and Barak. Verse number 3, chapter 5, verse 3. Hear, O kings, give ear, O rulers. I to the Lord I will sing. I will sing praise to the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the result of the victory is that Deborah and Barak, because of this victory over Sisera, they began to sing, they began to praise. How many times does God give us a victory in our life and we fail to bring honor and glory to Him? I'm going to tell you, when God does something, we ought to be on shouting ground. God gives you an open door to give you a testimony time. I remember back in the day, we had a thing on Sunday night called Popcorn Testimonies. Maybe y'all remember that. People just pop up and they would give a time of testimony. Perhaps we need to rediscover that. Deborah and Barak had a time of praise. Well, this woman of courage is a great example for today. I thought about this old hymn and I'll close with this today. This is hymn number 216 of the Baptist hymnal. It's entitled, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. And the first verse says this, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. The glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. Man, I can sing and shout and testify today because I know the triumphs of God's grace in my life. Deborah and Barak knew the triumph of God in their life. Let's pray together. Father, our Lord, uh, what a story. God, what a victory. Lord, I thank You for women of courage and women of faith. God, how You used Deborah, busy as a bee, a sweetness to her, but God, a, a sting and a sharpness. God, I pray that You would raise up in our church these women that You seem to be blessing today in our first women's ministry. God, I, I pray that You would raise them up to make a difference. God, to call right, right, and wrong, wrong. God, to, to raise uh, up a new generation that would honor and respect You. And Father, we can have the best in facilities. God, we can have the best in staff, the best in everything, God, the world can offer. But God, if Your Spirit doesn't come down and anoint, we are dead in the water. God, I pray for such a moving of Your Spirit. God, I don't want to see the mercy drops. God, I want to see Pentecost. And Lord, I pray for that in our church. God, grant, according to Your Son's grace, 
In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.